because we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, first three verses. And the preparation for this message, it took me about four hours one day just to work through verse 1. So I thought, well, now what? Because uh, there's just so much, and then you have to distill everything that you hear or that you read from the text and everything that you extrapolate from it. And it's all so good. Oscar, it's like choosing to throw out the ribs or the brisket. I don't know, you can't give it all, but uh, I'm going to try to unpack it all. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, the first three verses today. And the, the, the name of this message is, or the title is, Behold, What Manner of Love. And that's derived right straight from verse 1 of 1 John chapter 3. What manner of love. One of the things that we know is true of God, among many things, is that He is love. Okay? He is first holy, 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 which we know in the process of repetition in the Hebrew mindset, very holy, okay, that He is love. He emanates it. It is his nature. And when John is writing to these recipients to this letter, at a time when Rome is, is in many places of the empire, uh, coming against Christians, uh, attacking, persecuting, confiscating, uh, belittling, they need hope. They need something to grab onto. Because they're being squeezed down from the world that they live in. And so aged John here, who walked with the Lord and leaned upon his, his chest there around the table. Uh, with the beloved disciple who died of natural causes, actually. After having went through quite the scene there on the island of Patmos. When he received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Boiled in oil survived it, had a lot to say, and he's writing to the churches at a time when maybe things just were so hard. And there were false teachers that were coming out of the church, as we've talked about in the past weeks, trying to say to other people that they have a little bit more knowledge than John had to offer, and that there's something else extra that you need, that Jesus is not sufficient Gnostic Gospels, as they are known. You would have known, they're still with us today. A movie was made not too many years back. The, uh, Tom Hanks was in it. Um, uh, what's that called? What? Ah, The Da Vinci Code. But it was, it was all, the whole movie was based off the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, yeah, and they, the, the, the rumor is that, you know, Thomas went, I believe it was India, actually. And uh, laid down some additional details, such that Jesus actually married Mary Magdalene, had kids, and all kinds of stuff, and gave some different recipes and, and uh, doctrinal truths. I put those in quotes, and Bree, they're not three, they're two. She always does quotes like th- this. It must be an English thing, but it's two. Okay. And, but that they could do all this, and somehow they would gain a more deeper understanding of the ministry of Jesus. Uh, I read an article this morning from John Piper, this right after Randy had reminded me of his membership today, uh, about uh, how um, 
he got a box from uh, the Unification Church, also known as the Moonies, Reverend Sun Young Moon. Okay, self-proclaimed Reverend has nothing to do with the moon. And, and so how he was talking about that, uh, just listen to him because there are things that we don't know about Jesus and Jesus failed in his mission of redemption and that he, he's in prison, he's writing this from prison sending this out to all the people that'll read it that he has the sole answer claiming to have gnostic teachings and so when you compile all that the christians are feeling a little bit weighed down and with what we see going on in our world today it it could be very easy to be weighed down So John is bringing us back then, after last week we talked about having uh, the abiding presence of God in us, not being ashamed of the gospel, knowing that he's going to return in victory. And so John is writing to them saying, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And as it goes on to say, in the, and now I'm using the New King James Version that I read from. Some of you here use the ESV. Some of you maybe have the Holman Christian Standard. Some of you may have the King James. Uh, and I don't know what else. Uh, could have like an NLT out there or two. But here's what's interesting. As I'm going to read through this. Behold what manner of love. Yours may say see what manner of love. The Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. In my Bible, it says children of God. In yours, it may add, and we are, because that's what's in the, in the Greek text, and we are. And my Bible actually supplies that in the center column reference. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Referring to Christ, beloved, now we are children of God. And, and if you go back to the first part of this verse, and we are, and he says, now we are, clearly he, know, he wants us to know that we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, when he is manifested, okay, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he Christ is pure so hope then is also the aroma of this pericope of passages here this hope this this consummate hope that you have one of the worst things that we all have a problem with in our day is knowing what to listen to what's true because the problem is as Christ followers, we live in this world, and that's tough, because we have to traverse through this world, and, and we, we want to know what's going on. There is an insatiable desire in our day and age for information, okay? Information is bought and sold as actual shares. It's worth lots of money, Okay, uh, all the social media platforms, it's no longer just about a printed newspaper. It's, there's so much out there in the way of information. And the problem is, you don't know what's real. You don't know what's true. It could have a kernel of truth around it. But then the rest of it gets real fuzzy really quick. And, and a lot of it, if you begin to read it to try to understand what's going on, the first thing that really begins to happen is 
I'm going to just guess here, you might find yourself becoming a little bit angered by what you read. Or at, at least frustrated. And then you might start finding yourself having a loss of joy. Because it seems as though the evil just seems to be growing. Did you know that in Chernobyl, okay, over in Russia, uh, the site that happened, what was that, 1986? Four? Six? No, you don't know? Anyway, when that reactor blew like it did, there was a, there is a growing, actually. They call it the elephant's foot. But it's a black oozing slowly a black decaying something from radiation <laughs> and uh, there's pictures of it you can go on and read about it but it, it it's just huge this thing this radioactive black remind it looked like one of those black cubes you light on fourth of july it's called the the snake and you blight them and they go and they grow and they do that and it leaves this tarish substance. Well, that's what this thing is. And it's, it's just massive. And I don't know how they're ever going to stop that. Because, you know, the shelf life of radiation is pretty long. So, and it's just growing. It's, it's like a grotesque byproduct of an oopsie that they created. And it's not going to go away anytime soon. And it just kills stuff. It just, it, you just die. Well, sometimes the world can begin to feel quite like that. Is it ever going to stop? Now, what we don't hear a lot about is the wildlife around Chernobyl is increasing by leaps and hundreds fold. It's just deer and squirrels and all kinds of stuff on the outside area. And uh, it's funny how God's holding things back like that, you know? So... When we have a hard day, when we, have, when, we, when we live in difficult times, we have something that is infinitely of more value than what hope we could ever find in any news release. We have it in the Scripture. And what I want us to zero in right now is, in spite of everything that seems to maybe be pushing in on you, even in your jobs or what have you, John says, Behold, as he's writing to them, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Behold. Behold. And, and really, what it says is, see. See. <laughs> Pay attention. This is big. Consider the implications of this magnificent love. The imperative here calls for direct, an imperative is, is a look here. That's what the imperative is. Calls for direct attention and reflection upon the amazing love God has bestowed upon his children. Have you, when's the last time you just stopped, took out your binoculars, of, took out your spiritual binoculars, okay? The big ones that have to have the stick you put them on, okay? Naval ones, like, okay? And you stare in and you look specifically at God's magnificent love for His children. When's the last time you just zeroed in there? I bet you not often enough. 
And that's what John is saying to do. It is an imperative command in the text. Behold. Or see. Pay attention and consider the implications of this. Seems as though our world is very concerned about people that they like not to die. Okay, they're concerned about death. But just certain ones, not everybody. And they're really offended by the fact that some may die. And a lot of people are are very interested in preserving themselves and life. Because, I mean, think about it. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you die, boy, that next moment is stark reality. I haven't worried about that in 36 years. When, when, when the Lord came into my soul and washed me clean, I have never worried about death. Now, the, the, if I fell off a building, the, the, the landing might be of some concern. You know, but, assuming I don't ricochet off anything, it'll be quick, okay? And then I'm with him. And I'm finding myself in even more as I consider and as I learn more about the love of God because you're, you guys, I, I get so nervous about when I, so when I say the word revival and awakening a lot. It's just that when you begin to study it and see it for what it is, you can't help but long for for more of heaven and home. You, you can't help but be captured by the love of God that is so thick and you're just like, man, how much longer do I have to stay? And you just long for that because when you begin with, when you look through your big giant naval binoculars at the love of God, you're just like, wow, it's just so far away still, but I wish it was that close. You know, and it overwhelms you. There's hope. Death is not it for me. And death is not it for you when you know the Lord. It's not. That's the starting point. This is just boot camp for heaven. Okay? And so we get, we have a hope that is eternal. And it's all because of the great love. of The magnificent love. The magnificent love of God. I'm sorry if you're hurting right now. I'm sorry if you may be in sheer misery. I'm sorry. But if you're in Jesus, I want to remind you of something. He who is in you is greater. He actually is greater than he who is in the world. He actually is. Now own it. Because that's your birthright. That's... that's That's your father here that's keeping you. You own that. That's the truth. Too many lies. Too many times people believe lies so easy. What manner of love. Now we're going to go a little deeper here. When it says what manner of love. Could be translated how great. How great this love. And always implies in the Greek text. Astonishment and admiration. So it's more than just. Wow it's magnificent. It, it, make, it takes you by the neck with both hands, draws you into the heart of God and says, stare at it because this is magnificent 
and you should be astonished. That's why it was so long getting through this this week. It brings you in close. When we were in football, and we would come in for a huddle sometimes, we'd take each other's face masks and pull in. Okay, because when, when somebody grabs you by your face mask, you go wherever they go. Okay, you just do. There's just nothing else you can do. And God takes us by the face mask, pulls us in and says, look at my heart. When's the last time you spent time just looking at the heart of God through the binoculars of Scripture? It should astonish you. It should cause admiration to lift in your soul. Also, the expression carries both a qualitative and a quantitative force. This is where this really gets more interesting. What glorious, measureless love. Glorious, meaning everything... I always think of heaven, when I think of glory, it really shines like a bright light. I don't know. It just, and what glorious, measureless. That means you don't have a yardstick long enough. Okay. John Stott, commentator, comments on the adjective used here. And as he goes into the Greek of it, he, he talks about it, could, it, it, it means of, of what country. So in a literal sense, here's what John Stott translates this verse as in its, in its, uh, with its syntax applied and with the historic roots of the adjectives applied. He says, the Father's love is so unearthly, so foreign to this world that John wonders from what country it may come. Get it? So John writes, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And John Stott writes, Once you go through the the exercise of the language here, you can actually translate it this way. The Father's love is, is so unearthly, so foreign to this world, you wonder from what country it may come from because it certainly doesn't emanate anywhere from here. <laughs> you know, you ever meet anyone and you wonder, where are you from? <clears throat> In Oklahoma... Back before it got weird, uh, people would move in from a certain state, and the first thing they would do is they would buy a parcel of pasture land, put their house dead smack in the middle of it, and put up a gate at the road. And the sign that says, keep out. We knew what that meant. They were from California. Okay. <laughs> no offense to you Californians, just saying. Okay. And so it became increasingly difficult to get to know your neighbors. Because you couldn't get past the gate. Keep out. Keep out. And you, and you knew they were from off. They weren't from around. We have a love bestowed upon us that is so magnificently glorious that as we are supposed to shine as lights in the world, right? It's God's intention that we do. That people should look at us and go, where are you from? Because you certainly aren't from around here. That's how it should be. But sometimes it's not. You know why? Because we tend to look at everything else but. It's so much easier to look at our feet than it is to look 
at heaven. How many of you walk with your head look down looking at your feet as you walk? How many, watch, how many of you watch your feet as you walk? I watch some of you. How's it going today? <laughs> Can I walk with you? <laughs> oh, didn't see that coming. <laughs> so you turn into a Roomba, essentially, through life, you know. <laughs> Think, what? Let's just go this way. <laughs> Look up. Look up. What glorious love. You don't need to be looking down. God didn't save you to look down. God saved you to look up. God saved you to look at Him. God saved you to look around at the world and say, Jesus is coming, y'all. Are you ready? I'm ready. Look out. Look up. Pray with your eyes open for a change. Man, the church needs to rediscover that. When you're driving, instead of turning on some motor mouth on on the radio that say the same things a different way every day over and over. Start looking around and start praying for what you see and start thanking God even for the way the beauty of the weather looks as it's shining up on the desert landscape. Because can you not see the glory of God in it? Oh, it's easy to choose the other way. Just like it's easy to go eat Susie Q's and Ding Dong's. But man, what a stomachache you'll have. What country are you from? Bestowed is another verb that we see in this passage. And it can be better translated maybe has lavished. Now, I don't talk about this because it reminds me of that. Oh, darling, how you've been lavished with such awesome clothing. <laughs> you know, lavished. Who uses that? We don't use that word in Oklahoma or Idaho. You know, someone told me they, they lavish something on me. I punched them. <laughs> Tell them I ain't lavishing. <laughs> no, you don't seem to understand. You missed it. It's just, it's, okay, it's always better to read books and then punch. Okay, but has lavished. It's a gift from God the Father and cannot be earned or bought. He, he lavishes. He imparts permanent abiding love on you. Lavish. I got a definition for lavished. Sometimes the best thing that you can have for a treat is a hot pan of, of cast iron cornbread, okay, with a slice cut out, Dan, with a big old pat of butter, like no, it's like maybe quarter of a stick because it's Friday night and it's Fabulous Friday. So you put it down there and then you put the other piece on top and then you take the honey bottle and you just lavish it till it goes okay, all over. That's when it's real good. And then you just, and you, you just embrace you just enjoy that. And that's really what God expects us to do with his love. Because he lavishes it all over. So when we read, and he has bestowed, it's lavish. Poured all over. Have you ever thought of God's love like that? See how it took so long just to get through that part of the verse? That's just that verse. That's why when I say read your Bible, I'm just, I'm just saying, you, it'll give you way more than you ever expected. 
But that is true. Now, and what I'm telling you, this isn't preacherisms. I'm trying to be cute. It's just what it's saying. It's just what the truth is. It reminds me of uh, 1 John 2, 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the, fa- in the Son and in the Father. In other words, this is stuff that we have that we need to abide, we need to live in it. And, and if I may, for analogy's sake, remember the cornbread that was lavished with honey and butter? You jump in the bowl. That's, that would be abiding. You just jump in the bowl and you roll all around in it. Eating as you go, like, what was his name? Augustus something in, uh, uh, yes. It was in the, cho- the, the, Willy Wonka. Yeah, Augustus Goop. He went up in the chocolate tube, okay? <laughs> he was just full. He was, uh, he was abiding in the, in the factory. When's the last time you did that? Now, it reminds me of a verse, though, out of Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, we just talked about what that love looks like, right? Brian, do you remember that? I know it's a stretch 10 seconds ago. So, (laughs) who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who, who, he asked, shall tribulation? So, imagine, imagine John kind of reminding by way of remembering all of this to his reader. Shall tribulation, Paul's writing this, but shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. And he's saying all the bad stuff. Just remember, what shall separate you from the love of Christ, which is lavished upon you? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And he brings that in, I think, to say, it can seem really bad. But don't forget that your external circumstances doesn't change your internal assurance that he has lavished his love upon you and whatever comes your way God is sovereign over so again he asks the question who shall separate you from the love of God yet in all these things he says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us I have asked God so many times why have you let communist China go on for so long well and I say that because of the way they treat the church but it's just They just keep growing and growing and growing and growing. And the more they try to stomp it out, the more it spreads. Maybe we need a little of that. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, sounds exhaustive, shall Be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to know why? Because you ever got honey on you? You don't wipe it off. You got to lick it off. Okay? Everything about it says abide and stick and just have it because that's how it is. And that's God's love for you. Well, verse 1. Okay. Psalm 36, 5 through 7. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as... Now, listen to this. I'm going to see if it, if it maybe reminds you of something, okay? For those of you who like Christian music and so on. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. 
Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. O Lord, how precious is your unfailing love. O God, all humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. There's a hymn made very popular by a certain band back in the early 2000s. I'm going to read some of the lines. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave His Son to win. His erring child He reconciled and pardoned from His sin. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. When hoary times shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong, redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. And then finally, what you probably would recognize well, could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above who would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Who sang that? Mercy me. Remember when it came out? It was everywhere. It was a hymn. It was an old song actually written around 1911. Got some stuff to read on that. Frederick Martin Lehman was a German immigrant, moved to America, was living in Iowa, and he decided one day he was going to uh, move out to California. Well, you know. <clears throat> and uh, he was at a camp meeting in, Midwest, in a Midwestern state and heard an evangelist end his message by quoting what became the third stanza of Lehman's song, The Love of God. Okay, The preacher said that these lines had been found penciled on the wall of a patient's room in an insane asylum after he had been carried away to his grave. The assumption was that this inmate had scratched out the words in moments of sanity. Bet you didn't know all that. Neither did I. The love of God. How rich and pure. How measureless and strong. The name of that hymn is The Love of God is Greater Far. Mercy Me put it out, like I could say, back around 2000 or so. And it went everywhere. You should go back and listen to it. And now know that there's some richness there about the love of God that, that we just don't really clue, clue in on very much. Verse 3 then, the second part of, of uh, this it says, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. So after all this fluff, honey and cornbread and all, 
After all of that, behold and see it. It says in verse 1 of 1 John 3, Therefore, because of this, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Why would he say that? Because he's saying, stop being surprised that they don't understand you. (laughs) Stop being surprised when they resist the faith that you desire to live. Stop being upset to the degree that you don't understand why they don't like us to meet together as churches because they're afraid that we might get sick. Okay, don't be offended by that fact. Just remember, they don't know him. Stop being offended that they don't like you because you're uniquely different in the way that rubs them wrong. That's because they don't know Jesus. Okay, did you, did you know, I was thinking about some of the places, John was in prison and put on Patmos, which was a penal colony, simply because he was a follower of Christ. Now think about that. What are you in for? <laughs> well, after hearing y'all's list, uh, I love Jesus. Ooh, well, he's armed robbery, he's assault, and, 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 and he's fraud, and you love Jesus. You can't hang out with us in prison. <laughs> so you go find the Christians. <laughs> but it's true. We, we, this, this world is not our home. That's another song, isn't it? Okay? This, we're just passing through here. And, and every one of us tries to get really cozy here, really comfortable. We do. Even when we go off to Cambodia and Myanmar and Africa and Thailand and, and we go to those little villages that are made out of those, those bamboo huts up on stilts. Some of them have just dirt floors. But I want you to know something. They're very nice dirt floors. They're very swept and clean. They have mats and they have things all to decorate their little place. We as people really look for places to get cozy. But our wor- this world is not our home. And they don't like us because they don't know him. So don't forget that. You say, I just don't fit in in this world anymore. Well, then give you a gold star because you're not supposed to fit into this world anymore. And I find it becoming increasingly difficult to be comfortable here at all. And no, it's not because of all the junk. It doesn't help. It's just because when you look through those big naval binoculars at the love of God, You just want to be there all the time. No, here is the word gnosko, which means to grasp intellectually. They do not have that. They, They don't get the meaning of it. They have a hard time. The world does not grasp the things of Christ. The reason the world does not understand is because they never understood Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 2, it reminds us of why. But we speak the wisdom of God... In a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And he goes on to say in verse 13 and 14, These things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. There's your answer. 
They just don't get me. Well, that's why. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And some of you get so, and I'm with you, uh, it's not like I'm so this way, but we get frustrated. We, 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 we tell the gospel to someone and we pray and we share and we share and we teach. The, we tell them the gospel over and over and they just, bing, bing, it just doesn't seem to penetrate. And we're like, they just don't get it. Well, of course they don't get it. But do you realize that you are planting so many seed there that one day they're going to look like a chia pet and the gospels are going to be flowing. I mean, we just, you know, and they'll just be that's that's why we do that so that so when we sow the gospel it it takes root how many of you have foxtail at your house travis you don't have foxtail well you gotta tim raises foxtail it's a bad deal it, uh, it migrates in the dog's hair, climbs up into their bellies and berries, and it goes down their throat even, and it gets into their paws, and foxtail's a horrible thing, a little bullet-shaped piece of sin, okay? And we decided we're going to start spraying for foxtail. We're going to have to do this for about three years. You want to know why? Because there's a thing called the seed bank. All, year after year, it, lays, it produces all these seeds, and they, lay, they don't all come up at the same time. They don't all come up. It may take, that seed may lay there for five, six, we don't know how long that seed will lay there. We just know you got to keep spraying and keep spraying and keep spraying. Eventually, you'll succeed at killing all of those seeds. How long does it take some seeds to merge? I don't know, a long time. The point is, when you share the gospel, you're giving it to God. We don't go make decisions. We want decisions Everybody wants to drive the combine. Well, unless you've done it for weeks on end without getting off. But you, that's a good thing. You're harvesting. But what about the guy that sows? What about the gal that's out there being faithful and loving Jesus and sharing the gospel? We don't know. But are you interested in, in, in doing what the Lord said and sharing it, in sowing it, in, in planting it? Because one day, the Bible says there's no word won't return void, but will accomplish what he goes and sends it for. There's so much at stake here. There's so much that can happen. So just remember, don't get so mad and down on people when they don't understand what you're saying because it's spiritually discerned. They don't have the software. <sighs> Lastly, beloved, now we are children of God. <laughs> there he goes again. Just can't get away from it, can he? Now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. According to Daniel Aiken, he was a commentator I read, when John state that states that we shall be like him, his reference is to the promise that the Christian will be made like Christ. Do you know you're going to change? Praise God for that, right? Oh, man, you're going to change. W. Alexander was a, 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 an early missionary to the Hawaiian Islands, way back, way back. We're talking late 1700s here when he was back there. And he recorded that on the mission field, when the native converts came to this phrase, they were helping to translate the Bible, 
the scribe laid down his pen, and this phrase he's talking about, we shall be like him, he laid down his pen and exclaimed, no, it's too much. Let us write, we shall kiss his feet. They were so overcome with the awe of the fact that we will be conformed in totality to the image of our Savior. They couldn't grasp it. Instead, they just said, let us, let us just kiss his feet. It's enough. It's too much. It's, it's too much. Eye has not seen or ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the good things that God has laid up for those that love him. And the Spirit, yes, thanks, Sharon, the Spirit has revealed them to us. The deep things of God. This is all for us. So why can't it be a big, hot slice of cornbread in a bowl? Why can't we just grab that the same way when we feast on the Word of God? One of the most scathing rebukes that I ever heard from an, a, a, a self-pronounced atheist, and I've showed the video here years ago now, and it begs the question. If you Christians, this came from Penn and Teller, you know, the comedians, I think, or something. He got a, he got a, he got a, uh, a Christian that actually waited and saw him after the show and gave him a Bible and shared the gospel with him, all of it. And he goes, it occurred to me, he goes, if you Christians really believe what you say, and that I'm going to go to hell and when I die, you don't tell me. His, his, his question was this. How bad do you have to hate somebody to not warn them at least that that's coming? Pretty powerful, pretty potent story. <clears throat> Romans eight twenty nine. <laughs> For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. There it is again. Conformed to the image of his son. And, and the Hawaiian natives are saying, no, no, it's too much. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. First Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, which we know is to be set apart, be conformed to the image of God. So it's, it's God's will that this happens and Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing that he who begun a good work and you will complete it. Did you get that part? Until the day of Jesus Christ. I want, I want you guys to live, thrive in your walk with Jesus. You're never going to be perfect here. Don't even begin to think you will. But live every day in the grace of God. A very fortunate text or quote I got this week is from Martin Luther he writes this life therefore is not righteousness but growth in righteousness not health but healing not not being but becoming not rest but exercise we are not what we shall be but we are growing toward it the process is not yet finished but it is going on this is not the end, but it is the road 
all does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. Because verse 3 says, and everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. Do you have the hope of Jesus in you? Do you know Him? The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. That He was buried in a tomb. Rose again the third day. Stands at the right hand of God. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You must repent of your sin. That was Jesus' first word. Repent and be saved. Turn your life over to the Lordship of Christ. Give it away. The great exchange is you giving Him your life, Him giving you His life. Do you know Him today? Christian, do you live in constant defeat? You don't need to live below your means. Read the Word. We just went through it. Behold. See. I'm going to ask JT to come. As he... uh, Shut that door over there. As he gets ready to play... After what we've heard, it's really important that you don't check out. Don't don't let the enemy come along and sneak in and try to get you distracted. What in your life right now prevents you from enjoying and living in the amazing love of God? What is it that's in the way? Whatever that is. Lay it down. As JT plays the song, How Great or Far, think on that. If you need to come and pray, pray. But do business with God.